Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. If you've been enjoying listening to us, imagine how entertaining will be when you are watching us. Now you can watch the 430 movie with Steve Melching, Darren Docterman, Ashley Miller, and me, Mark A. Altman, every day on Electric Now. How do you get Electric Now? You download Distro TV, Stir TV, Zumo TV, and soon the Electric Now app. And You just have to pick one. You don't have to have all of them. You don't have to have all of them, but it helps. And you can watch us on the Electric Now channel. Don't miss us as we bring you the 430 movie in your house in person. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman from Inglorious Trexperts in the 430 movie. And if you're a James Bond fan, you want to pick up my new book, Nobody Does It Better, the complete uncensored oral history of James Bond and Spy Mania. It's a hefty tome, and it's available now wherever you purchase books, audiobooks, and digital. Check it out. And I will renew your license to kill personally. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Dockerman, and we are the Inglorious Trexperts. Coming to you straight from the John H. Gill Memorial Podcasting Studio here on Ecos. <laughs> those, those of you watching on the uh, Electric Stream channel will know, we'll, what, we'll know what we're talking about. But until then, <laughs> just close your eyes and imagine. Imagine. Exactly. <laughs> the Chancellery in all its glory. <laughs> Yeah, it was, you know it's funny because you know for those of you who don't know, uh, last uh, uh, last week actually for the new year, um, uh, Electric has built this wonderful, beautiful new podcasting studio because we used to broadcast from the uh, the mixing stage, but they have a lot of shows going and we we have a lot of shows going with the podcast and it was becoming sort of problematic. So they built this beautiful new podcasting studio for us and the other podcasts and the Electric Surge lineup. And the first thing we came in here, Darren says. Oh my God! Where's John Gill? <laughs> <laughs> There's this little window and a curtain, and he, and you know we'll have to put pictures on social media yeah. because damned if it doesn't look just like. I mean, I'm literally waiting for you know the, the Melicon to shoot Melicon through the, to shoot through the <laughs> exactly. And if it, we don't do a good podcast, yeah. <laughs> I ordered the recall of the Starfleet. <laughs> <laughs> Melicon is a self-serving adventurer. <laughs> It was the most efficient podcast ever made. <laughs> oh my god! And it's funny because behind the glass, they have no idea what we're talking about. Not no idea. Not an idea. But uh, you know, look. I mean, you know, most effective state uh, Earth ever knew. Uh, <laughs> And this is the most effective podcast, yes. That's right. So, uh, look, we're thrilled because, of course, we have two special guests with us. Uh, Returning um, is Ashley Miller. Ashley, you know, is a writer of Thor, X-Men First Class. He was a writer-producer on Fringe and Black Sails and uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles and, uh, of course, has a fantastic new show that he will be talking about very soon but can't right now. Ashley Miller, welcome back. Thank you for having me back. 
And it's been a while since his last guest graced us with his presence, but he is here, he is back, and he is ready to talk Trek. His name, of course, is the legendary Dave Rossi. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me back. Dave was the director of special projects uh, over at um, the Star Trek offices. I was going to say back in the the good old days. (laughs) Uh, Not wrong. uh, (laughs) The glory days of the heyday, let's put it that way. Um, and, uh, you know, worked very closely with uh, with Rick Berman. And so we're going to talk about today. There was a very interesting thing that happened in two, 2006. Um, for those of us, you know, who'd been watching Star Trek, uh, you know, uh, for, 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 for many, for, I would say for many decades. It wasn't really many decades. It was, you know, it was <laughs> a couple years. of years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, uh, you know, you, 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 you know, you watch Star Trek often. It was these tattered 16 millimeter prints uh, that were being broadcast. Uh, um, sometimes better than that. It was uh, finally remastered for DVD. They look great. But um, the high def revolution had happened. TVs were now being formatted for widescreen. High def was all the rage. And uh, you know, CBS uh, looked at the Star Trek and um, realized that it was time to to sort of upgrade, change the, the visual effects. Uh, I would love to know, because Dave, how you got involved with this and, and sort of the impetus for um, sort of going back to the original episodes and uh, uh, creating all new effects. Sure. Um, there was a, an executive at CBS who worked in the syndication department named David LaFontaine, and they were about to, or they were trying to, re-release the original series into syndication again. And they were having trouble getting advertisers to bite because they're like, why are we going to pay for this, you know, 40-year-old show and it's we're done. You got to give us something else. And so he called me and asked to uh, meet for lunch. And he explained this and said, so we have a couple of ideas. And frankly, I don't remember what all the ideas were, but uh, they were all kind of goofy, but uh, but one no, of them. I really want to know what. Can we were. put it out yeah. in black and white? <laughs> I'll I'll try. I'll I'll have to try and remember. But, it, but I don't. I, they kind of fell to the wayside. But but over this conversation, he had said uh, one of the things we want to do is change the visual effects, upgrade all the visual effects. And I immediately I was I said you're you're crazy. I said you, do you not understand what George Lucas just went through when he you know did this? I said you just had a show that ended with Enterprise kind of ending the franchise run of the series right now. People are, you know, they're throwing around this word, you know, for franchise fatigue or, or whatever. And I said, now you want to, <laughs> with the remaining fans you have, you want to get their hackles up by doing this. I said, it's uh, it's crazy. And and uh, and, he, and so he said, well, just think about it because we have to do something. We're going to release the show one way or the other. We have to do something. Uh, and he, one of the other things was, was uh, redoing the theme. Not not changing it, but re-recording, re-recording it uh, with a new uh, uh, singer, and uh, and so you know I went away and thought about it for about a week, and we had lunch again, and I said, listen, I got to tell you, I I just I don't think this is a good idea because what you're going to get is some visual effects person who is looking at this as, oh my God, I'm going to make the Enterprise do barrel rolls and I'm going to, you know, I mean, they're going to, they're going to just start cramming stuff in. and Treat it like Star Wars. And mm-hmm. Exactly. And I said, and that's just, I think you're just, you, there's there's going to be no way to control it. You know, I mean, if you could find someone passionate enough about the show to, to do it and would have its best interest in heart. And he said, how would you like to do it? And I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> was, you know, all those concerns I was talking about, forget it. <laughs> well, I, you know, I thought, you know, because his, his point was, we're doing it. 
we're going to do something. Regardless. Regardless. Yeah. So uh, how would you like to be involved? And then you can help kind of steer this. And I was like, okay, that's, you know. So I, at the time, Star Trek had just ended for me in 2005. And I was actually working with Mike and Denise Okuda uh, cataloging things for the CBS auction, which was a, a, a fun, horrific job. I mean, it was so <laughs> morbid and, you know, weird. But anyway, uh, I, I... And that was when uh, they were selling off, because Enterprise had gone off the air and they were selling off... Like, everything. All, everything, that because uh, up until then, everything's next generation had sort of been stored on the lot in case they exactly. needed it. And the movies. Uh, everything. And there was even stuff from the originals. Not a lot from the original series, but, but a few things from there as well. But, I mean, I, when I say everything, I mean... You know, Brent Spiner's T-shirts that he wore in the makeup chair so that he didn't get stuff on. I mean, it's like crazy. They kept everything. That you want to buy when you want to have a Brent break. Yeah. (laughs) So we had to go through it all and identify it and, you know, do this whole thing. So so I went to Mike and Denise because I realized, look, I, I am a huge Star Trek fan. The original series is my forte when it comes to all the shows. But I am not in the in the realm that you guys are in in that you study and know the background like the the you know what what was Matt Jeffries you know thinking when he did the, I mean you guys know that level of of intimacy with the show I didn't I love the show right. right so I know that when Captain Kirk laid out a plan and uh to escape then they would cut to the Enterprise just moving left to right on the screen. Yeah, you, you knew that the Romulans had broken code too, but you didn't know right, exactly. that, you know, why, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, Jeffries I, I, built this. I was not a production person right, right, yeah. in, in that sense of it. So I needed somebody on board who knew that, first of all. And I, you know, I'm working with Mike and Denise. So I started talking to them about it. And, of course, they had the same reaction. I did. This is crazy. You, you, you can't do it. You can't do it. And I said, well, what if we did it? And they were like, okay. Well, maybe then that's, you know, that. <laughs> and after I had that conversation with Mike, literally minutes later, I walked away and I called an old friend of mine named Darren Docterman. Yes. And I said, I know him. We're doing this. Can you do the visual effects for it? And the, the and of course, it would have been a perfect fit. But well, the, because. A couple years before this, like in 2004, I had actually gone through several layers of Paramount brass pitching this very idea of replacing the visual effects and doing everything in high def, but basically duplicating the visual effects to look exactly like they did in the show, just clean. Right. Right. That was my pitch. And like I said, I went through... Several meetings of a couple different layers of of uh, establishment, and then heard nothing, and that I thought that was that, and um, you know, but obviously from the CBS side, this need arose. Right, and it was also a weird time in that the the the, the whole the division, split of the, the split CBS and Paramount, crazy. and yeah, and no so. one was talking to one another. Yeah, and no one yeah. knew who could do what, and it was a really kind of a wacky time. But uh, but I called Darren to, yeah. to see, and the, and the the I mean, really, the only problem was he didn't have the infrastructure available right. to do it because right. this was a we were going to be cranking on this, and so we ended up getting in touch with Gary Hutzel who uh, was visual effects on Deep Space Nine, but also then went on to Battlestar. And, so, and he had, uh, you know, Doug Drexler right. was working with him. And they were really excited. And, and so what, the, what the, proposed, the initial proposal was all space exterior shots, 
all planets and any map paintings right. that we wanted to do. And so Gary gave us a bid, and there was no money to do this, of course, as these things always are. Uh, he gave us a bid and sent us a test, and we were like, we're, we're in. This is great. Mm-hmm. But what his, his uh, kind of cautionary tale to us was, I'm just doing the shots that are called for. Right. You, you know what I mean? So that there's not enough money to do w- what Mike and I had kind of pitched. And, and so there was – which was we don't want – you know, there are 17 shots of the Enterprise available or something aside right. from some episode-specific things. There, were, there weren't very many shots of it. And so that's what everyone was was thinking this was. Everyone we're was wanting replace... to do episode-specific shots. Exactly. Right. That's what my, and Mike and I wanted to – we don't right. want 17 shots of the Enterprise. We want 300 shots right. of the Enterprise, right? right? All different angles and things we've never seen. And, you know, and so, uh, but Gary was like, for this money, this is what you're going to get. And we were like, okay, wait, that's, you know, that's fair. So he sent us test. It was great. And then we were just about to start and Gary contacted Mike and I and he was furious and said, I understand I'm being taken off of this now. And, and Mike and I were completely confused. So we went to CBS and said, what's going on? And they said, well, uh, a lawyer had found out that we were doing this and they said you have to pitch it to the in-house visual effects team at CBS. Mm-hmm. So you guys have to go do that. First, we kill all the lawyers. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we had to go pitch to CBS Digital, which was this unknown company. We didn't know anything about them. And we told Gary, look, just hold by. We're going we're gonna to come up with a plan to try and get around this. And so what we did was we put together a schedule that was so unachievable that when we pitched it to these guys, no one in their right mind would yeah. would take it. So like, we they'll never go for they'll this. never do this. Okay? <laughs> so we walked into this room, and it was um, the head of CBS Digital's a guy named Craig Weiss, their visual effects supervisor Neil Ray, and then there was this other guy. I don't I don't remember his name, but he was an executive, and he just stood in the doorway. Just kind of leaned into the doorway and just stood there, like smoking a cigarette. He acts of cowardice, as seen. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So we pitched this schedule, and Neil Ray, who was the supervisor at the time, he looked at Craig like, "There's no way we could do this." And Craig looked over at this guy at the door, and I looked at the guy at the door, and the guy looked at Craig, and he just nodded his head silently, just like. And Craig went, "We'll do it." And, I mean, we were – now we're in it, right? Now – so we were completely taken aback and we were like – And then Luca Brazzi put the contract (laughs) on the table. (laughs) Right. I would think it's more like the smoking man. Either the visual visual effects or his brains would be on that contract. (laughs) Right. Yeah, you go into the bathroom. There's a phaser. Um, (laughs) But the horse's head is CG. (laughs) And so we had to tell Gary that's that's how it was going to go and these guys were going to do it. And and so we looked at their reel. Of course, you know, Gary had assets. I mean, he had done this test of the Enterprise that was just gorgeous. I mean, we loved it. Um, and so they didn't have an Enterprise. They had to start building from scratch. And our first delivery was, I think, three weeks down the road or something. I mean, it was like nuts. And so what happened – and then you get – there's a whole other side of it, which is – Yes, you you and Mike are going to shepherd how this works with the following, you know, caveats, right? So our idea was, you know, we want it to look like the Enterprise in the original series. So as far as coloring and lighting and try, you know, 
we did a small test and they were like you – know, the executives were like, no, 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 no. The, the stations will never buy this. You're giving them the exact same thing that the, that the, or the advertisers won't do this. You're giving them the exact same thing that they're balking against. This needs to look up the – you know how ships look today and the – you know, it needs to look like metal and it needs – you know. We were like, OK. So it started this whole – that was a whole process and, and the whole time running. I mean they were working on other shots and they had to develop everything. The, the Romulan ship, the, it was just – it was madness this first couple of months. And uh, and so they contact – Mike knew of a fan somewhere. I don't remember the person's yeah. name um, who had created an enterprise, a digital enterprise model. We bought it from him so that they could start – using it but the problem was it wasn't built for production it was so detailed like down to rivets mm, right. that the rendering time for one shot was you know a day or two yeah, yeah. it was like it's, well. it was like there's no way so they hired a whole new group of people to come in and just start building an enterprise and in the meantime they had to use this this other one with this slow render times and yeah it was a uh, it was crazy and so i mean the budget was I think it was somewhere around nine hundred thousand dollars an episode. No. no, okay, total. That's what I was afraid. Of. That right. is insane. Yeah. And then I remember my bid was like three times that. Yeah, you're yeah, yeah. exactly. And it was like, well, there's there's just no way, yeah. you know. And and of course, that was a reasonable bid, right? Right, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. you right. know. And so, uh, so they just brought in a whole bunch of people and started doing well. The contract, because it was so ambiguous. You're going to replace space shots and you're going to replace planet shots and you're going to do whatever math. So there was no number associated with it as far as how many shots you're going to be replacing. So right when we started, Mike and I divided up the shows. Um, you know, he did evens and I did odds or something. And so we'd sit down uh, by ourselves, watch the show. You know, the even ones are better. <laughs> I had a muck time. Is that even? That'll, that'll tell you which ones I had. Um, and so we would watch the shows, and we just had to call out time codes. And, and part of the the handcuffs was that we couldn't go further than the cut that existed. Sure. Yeah. So if there's a three second cut of the Enterprise, that's what you have to yeah. fill. Yep. And so we would go in, write those in and out points, and then start talking about, you know, we had little enterprise models and, we you know, this is it would be cool if you could, you know, we've never seen it this way or that way or whatever. And so we started turning these sheets in. And every once in a while, we would slip something else in. Like, hey, you know, in this episode, Scotty's firing a phaser at a bulkhead and there's no beam coming out of the gun. What would it take for you guys to maybe just add the beam, you know? And Neil, uh, Ray, he was the champion of this whole thing, regardless of schedule and, and the, the final product, which was, you know, I mean, it, they all did the absolute best they could under all these circumstances. But he understood what we were going for. And so he would slide these things into his people. And I mean, they they started doing things like adding blinks to the Gorn when we asked it, you know, Norman lifts up his shirt. Can we make it not look like a Sanyo radio inside, you know? And so they, they started doing all these things. Well, eventually that caught up to them and uh, because our our call out sheets were you know here's 60 shots of the Enterprise we not we want you to do and they were like no 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 we can only do three you know we're only doing the, and then we're going to reuse those in the next one it was right. like no 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 so it was this constant uh, this constant rub where we were butting heads about it and and Neil was trying to get as much done as he could and to his credit I mean we ended up with 
I don't know what, 150, 175 shots of the Enterprise or something, which was was great. Uh, but at some point, we almost bankrupted their company. Mm. And I remember David LaFontaine called me and said, okay, listen, uh, CBS Digital is meeting with the president of CBS Television City who runs their division. And we need to be in that meeting because I think they're either going to cancel it or they're going to say – you need to stop or, you know, you've done your max and now you're – they're just going to reuse all these The mayor shots. of television city. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Mayor McCheese. <laughs> and, uh, and so – and David had me there because he knew I tended to get passionate when I would talk about this. And so later on he told me that's why I had you here. He said, you know, Mike, God bless him. Very yeah, technical, very low and very, key yes, and very, very measured, energy. and very yeah. yeah, yeah. Whereas I knew you would get, you know, but Dave, you get the crazy eyes. You get the crazy eyes, <laughs> right? Exactly. Helter yeah. skelter. And so we're sitting in this meeting, and and Craig Weiss started going through the numbers, and he was saying, "Listen," and the contract was so ambiguous. He said, "We assumed we were replacing twenty shots, you know, thirty-five shots, something to that level. These guys have already, you know, delivered a hundred shots or something." And so he was like, "Well, which." What's your story? What are you? What are you talking about? What are you, why are you doing this? And I said, you know, I gave some speech about. Do you, are you risk is risk our business? Is our business. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that's what I felt like, right? You know, and I was just like, listen, you know, I sit down with kids who want to watch this show, and the first thing they do is snicker when they see the Enterprise. I said we're trying to lengthen. The, the life of this show. We're trying to bring people in so that as new product is made, you have a new generation of, you know, and I just kind of went on this thing. And he went, okay, I got it. I got it. And then he turned to Craig and I started to say something else and he stopped and he said, listen, kid, I got it. You stop talking now. And I was like, okay. Never talk to the clothes. David was like, you know, nudging me like, okay, you, you, <laughs> you got, got it. Mission, mission accomplished, you know. And so he turned to Craig and he said, uh, they get, you know, whatever it was, uh, 10 shots per episode moving forward, and that's it. Everything else is a reuse. So that's what you that's what you have to work with. And we were already into season maybe three or uh, finishing season two at that point. So it wasn't a – you know, we, we got a You've lot. You've done enough effects for we season got, four. <laughs> we, got, we got a lot done. And we did get a money injection because at that time the battle for Blu-ray versus HD DVD mm-hmm. was going on. Yeah. And so the Toshiba company who was running HD DVD came to us and said, um, if you can finish like season one – or season two or whatever it was at a certain time, we want that to be the first launch on HD DVD. And so they injected another, I don't know what it was, maybe $500,000 or something. uh, And then their format died. I was going to say, thanks, Dave. That's why I bought HD DVD. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Me too. All of us. But I was smart enough to sell it all on eBay when it was clear that uh, Blu-ray was going to win. See, I didn't get out of Laserdisc quick enough. But this time, I'm like, I'm not going to. And I, I put my HDD, HD player and all my discs, on, and it was like, boom, sold. Next day, it was like, Blu-rays, boom, just went out and bought a ton of stuff. Insider yeah. trading. And we didn't even get them. We had to buy them, too. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they were handing us the HD DVD copies. Okay. We had to get them, too. That is all fascinating stuff I've never heard of. I want to take a second... Because there are a couple of things that we, we sort of went through very quickly, which for the audience who's not technically savvy may not get. You talked about not being able to slip the cuts. Now, the reason for that is because 
you're not remixing the sound. So the images need to match the existing sound. So even if you want to do a space battle where you're going to create a you, rhythm, it was the same thing he was dealing with on the motion picture to a certain extent. You, you can't do that. So it has to be the exact same duration. Yes. You can do anything within that frame, but it, it can't be longer. It can't be shorter. As long as the sound matched. Right. So we were able to get away with it. There were a couple things that we did do. Uh, you know, I mentioned a muck time, which is the, the one of the bigger ones because as I was, I was actually in Chicago at a Star Trek convention to promote Remastered, and I was working. I was sitting in a diner, working on watching that show and putting in the time codes. Now, in that show, there's the red psych mm-hmm. behind the set, and it's just always so horrible. It's just a giant red curtain, and so. I wrote every one of those down. Whenever you saw that background, I wrote it down with an in and out time. And I ended up with like 190 shots or something. It was like there's no way. They would have to rotoscope right. all yeah. of that out and there's just no way. So I remember flying – I'm on the plane flying back and it was really – I was really bummed out about it because I just hate that red – it's just so silly that you don't see any of Vulcan in the background. It's mm-hmm. just this whatever. Well, I saw a lot of Vulcan. T. Pow, she's all of Vulcan in one package. <laughs> in one package, and she was there. Uh, so I'm sitting in the plane, and I'm looking out the window, and all of a sudden, it kind of dawned on me. There's a man on the wing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, the Irishman. <laughs> I just remember looking down and thinking. Well, there's the sky outside of this plane, but the city is actually below. And I started thinking, what if we could do something where this place where they are is elevated and you establish that early enough so that then you're not supposed to see anything. Mm -hmm. You're at the top of some mountain somewhere. And you're just seeing sky. And you're just seeing sky. So Interestingly enough, in Star Trek III, there is such a place. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I'm Saleya. Climb the steps. So so we found a shot that is a reaction shot of Sulu that does nothing for the show. It's just they cut to him. Most of his shots do nothing. <laughs> you know, I mean, they cut, they cut to him, and he's just he's just oh looking at the screen and tapping on those. I used know. to hate Bill Bill Shatner, but the real enemy is Dave Rossi. No, I hate Dave Rossi <laughs> took me out, out of the shot. He ruined it. I was supposed to be an admiral in that shot. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's never coming on the show now. Nope. You know that. Yeah. Right. And so, so what we were able to do was create this this uh, from the point where. Kirk, Spock, and McCoy beam down to the point where they walk through this kind of archway into the ceremonial area. We created this shot that took up the Sulu space that is them walking across this uh, rock bridge that's obviously very elevated. And in the background below, you can see the city. And Mike had them model it on the city. Yeah, 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 exactly. So – so that was one of the places where we we got away. We might have done it one other place. I – I don't remember, but I remember we talked about it. But, you know, it was – the project was full of these little hidden surprises for us like um, do we see tractor beams right, in the right, upgrade, right, right? right? Do we – you know, in, the, in next gen they're showing tractor beams. Do we show it? Do we not? Um, what color are the phasers? Right. Right, because they changed. They were never the same se- color twice. Season yeah. to season, so we do. Do we establish that? So there were all these little kind of, you know, things that popped up that we had to talk about, and um, and there were you know a lot of uh, uh, heated debates about things. And, and look, we could have gone farther, but our we kind of came to this pact with the three of me, Mike and Denise, that this should be to honor the original series. We never want to put in an effect 
that takes your mind off of what's happening in the story, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it was so. While I'm sure that those guys back in the '60s would have loved to have the capability to do the things that we could do today, we just weren't comfortable right. letting our souls because it's a slippery slope. And the other thing I, I think it's important to point out because we didn't talk about this is, you know, why next generation effects when they redid that was different than what you did because what you did was to create all new effects. What they did is they recomposited the original film elements. Um, so it was virtually the same shots. Now, the reason you couldn't do that is because of the nature of optical printing at, in the 60s and that those elements didn't exist. Can you talk a little bit about that? How you, you by necessity, would need to clean up all these shots, that there's really not a way. I mean, yeah, now you could get rid of some of the grain and some of the d- dirt, like now, and but you couldn't well, that was really... Whole, that was a whole process that CBS had undertaken as well. So our portion of it was the remastering of the the of only the effects. That's all we dealt with. But they had a whole other division going through and scrubbing all the film, mm-hmm. right, so that they could do their, their up-res process right. to get it into to HD. And so, you know, the, like all of our shots were created in 16 by 9. So there's added footage, even though it, right. mm-hmm. it ended up being in the, the normal TV aspect. Um, so, yeah, they, they did have a, another team going through and, and doing that process. And and we actually added grain to, you right. know what I mean? Right. So when we yeah, would sure. do the visual effects, we added grain and things. We added this kind of blur and uh, anything we could do to kind of tone it down so that it fit as closely as possible yeah. to what so the production stuff was. it doesn't look like a video game. And what's great is yeah. on the Blu-rays, you can toggle between your uh, stuff from the restoration right. and then the original. And, and even those are slightly cleaned up. Yeah. So um, yeah. you can watch it in either one thing I versions. one thing I ran into uh, redoing my version of the Doomsday Machine that I realized was going to be a huge problem if you don't have access to the original negatives, uh, the original AB negatives. Right, dissolves. Oh, mm. horrible! Usually from live action yes. to visual to effects. a visual effect. Yeah. And what do you do? Do you rock and roll the A side? Do you do you slow it down? What I, you? I'm sure you did a bunch of different solutions. For it, that. It, it depended on. It was dependent on what what the B or A side right. was that you were going to or from. But, yes, yeah, so in some cases, a lot of that A side just got wiped out, right? right? We just had to go over it with the effect just to get there. And and depending on what it was, the visual effect became a shorter right. a shorter piece of something, you know, than, than what the slot was. But, yeah, that was a – Because they that was did a, it all the time. That was a huge problem. In fact, one, you know, one, one of the first things not, – not to go in the A, B thing, but one of the first things that, that – uh, CBS Digital asked us was, what's the hardest shot? Give us the hardest shot right now. We need to start working on that. And Mike was immediately, oh, the cage. The cage, yeah. Yeah. Going through the the, dome. Going through the dome. And so we gave them that, and they worked on – I mean, they were a couple of people just sequestered off – Doing that the entire time. I mean, so they they could they could do it because yeah, they were all so yeah. There there was a lot of, uh, and sometimes they were delivering. They were delivering the night it was going to be beamed up to, to, you know. I mean, it was it was a that was going on the satellite being sent to local channels. It was a really tight uh, run, especially with shows like Doomsday Machine, where you know there's there's a lot more effects. Um, But you know, we were able to to we stretched it out as much as we thought was was kind to keeping it you know in in what it's saying but but we did and we also had a lot of fun i mean you know we put ourselves in shots we sure. um 
you know, there's a Starfleet, Starbase 11, we're mm-hmm. kind of standing in the background. Um, in the shot with uh, uh, the Horda, there's a scene, there's an establishing scene of the mining facility. And so there's people in windows and mm-hmm. things. And it's all people from the ship. It's all either executives and the, the crew working on it and everything. So uh, I got to be Captain Kirk in a shuttlecraft in, the, in Menagerie. And I don't think you can see me. But uh, <laughs> but I got to sit there and do it, which was kind right. of fun. But so we, we had those kinds of things. But, but, uh, but you know, it was also like like the thing with the, the, the tractor beam, you know, we decided, no, we don't want to. Let's not let's not see it. But then, how do you how do you sell a tractor beam? How do you sell what it's doing? You know, it's kind of a difficult thing because they don't really do it a lot. They don't show it a lot. The right. biggest one was the Botany Bay, right. uh, and so you know, I came up with an idea of if it's spinning and we have it continually spinning, and then it stops mm-hmm. when the Enterprise grabs it, and then when the Enterprise lets it go, it can, it, goes, it mm-hmm. continues and yeah. just starts like it's that kinetic energy is kind of stored. So we're trying to figure out clever ways to. To make it work without making it eye-popping and, right. you know, yeah, and changing the structure of it too much. I, uh, you know, when I look back at, at what you guys did, I mean, I think my absolute favorite part is the matte paintings. Yeah. I think that it's stunning, um, you know, because, of course, Star Trek famously, like all the shows of the era, I mean, Buck Rogers, recycled matte paintings a lot. Even right. Next Generation did in its early days. So, um, you know, you created a lot of new environments, uh in the ones that weren't, that you added a lot of live action elements, as you talked about, um, and really beautiful. You know, yeah, what, there what, was a, there was a guy, uh, uh, an artist they had named Max Gable, mm-hmm. who uh, who was doing those, and he was just brilliant. And the, and you know, to their credit, I'm sure that their marching orders were, "Don't give these guys the time of day. You, we, we're going to do what we're supposed to do, and right. then you got to move on because we got other stuff, we got other fish to fry." But every one of those team members was just so giving of their time and I mean it uh, it turned out the way it did because they were so helpful with that budget there's no way to make it you know decent without people being passionate yeah right. they, they, they mean, have to did, believe in it otherwise I, you're not going to get you for the, you're going to get shit I think ultimately there was it was like 2700 shots mm-hmm. or something I mean for 900,000 for 900,000 that's unbelievable yeah that's pretty crazy this is what would have been difficult for me, that you know, the original series effects, even though they're dated now, at the time, they were fairly groundbreaking. Um, and, you know, just you think about the the number of artists who work on any show, whether it was Star Trek or Westworld or what have you. And, you know, you go back and, you know, you redo the, the visual effects or you create new matte paintings. For me... I, I think I would have heard this little voice in the back of my head saying, like, I am feeling like I am erasing, like, art, you know, that's been done. I think that was probably my biggest problem with the uh, with the special editions of the of the Star Wars films. That it's like there was this art that was created and now it feels a little gone, even though, you know, what you're doing is is also art. It's coming from this place of of love for what those people created and what they did. Well, I'm I'm I don't want to lie to you. We had all of those feelings and uh we had to kind of, you know, I don't know if it's drinking our own Kool-Aid, but we had to get to the point where we said, "You know what? We are not erasing this." Right. Right? This will always be available. You can always watch this. Um Unlike Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And uh and so, you know, they they Early on, they put us on a – it was me and I think it was Jeff Bond 
and uh, Rod Roddenberry, they put us on the show called Attack of the Show that was on the, one of these like G4, oh, G4 networks or something. It was Olivia Munn and yeah, sure. uh, somebody else, whatever. Yeah, um, and was, no, it wasn't Roger. It was, um, I forget the guy. Okay. Yeah. And so, and it was like the, the debate thing, right? So right. Jeff was brought on as a... Uh, you know, a naysayer right. uh, to the project. Well, that's easy to believe. Uh, <laughs> but it was funny. You know, it, it was all. A... He would not have done well in that meeting at CBS. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it was all a, a goof, yeah. really. Yeah. I mean, Jeff pulled me aside before and was just like, I, you yeah, know. they asked me to come be the negative guy. Could easily have been the exactly. positive guy. Yeah, yeah, been, yeah. He was the negative guy. Yeah. So, you know, there was all that they were trying to get all this hype up for it. But, but in a very real sense, we had a lot of uh, a lot of gut checks about what we were doing, and it's funny because now when people look at it, they say you should have gone farther. We wish you guys would have gone farther and done some more. Well, you don't know. listen to those people. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> we went as far as we thought as we thought we should. You, I mean, we, you want farther? You know. There's plenty of that now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I th- look. I think um, you know. In answer to what Ashley was saying, the, the reason ultimately I don't have uh, you know a problem with it is one uh, from a pragmatic point of view. You said at the top of the show. They couldn't sell it in syndication. They needed new bells and whistles right. to, to, you know. Yeah. So is it better that it's not being shown or, you know. That, exactly. Uh, you right. know, or, or you, right. And the but second thing is. Everything is okay because the originals are still available. Well, that, right. That's, yeah. that's yeah. my exactly. point. That you, Nobody threw you know, them away. I love the fact on the Blu-rays you can watch either version. Right. I believe on Netflix you can. Or is that not I true? I don't think okay. so. Okay. I, I think at least on Blu-ray you can. So they exist. Right. It, it's not like erasing history like George Lucas. No, we right. uh, destroyed the original negative. There's, there's right. no way yeah. to. Uh, you know, which is all BS. But you know, it's kind of like not making that available. Let the you know, it's it's like having all the versions of Blade Runner. You know, this is my director's version, my final cut. But you can still look at the theatrical right. cut. You can. Do, so I, I I love that it's available because I will tell you, depending on the episode, I will watch the original or the, the original or the new. depending yeah, sure. on you know what what which one it is. Yeah. You know how successful I feel the new like tomorrow's yesterday. I will always watch your version. You know, whereas Doomsday Machine, I will probably watch the original, but yeah. that's just me. Yeah. You know, so, but, uh, you know, but again, I'm not the target audience for this. You know, I grew up on it. It's yeah. ingrained yeah. You in You were my... going to buy it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'll, I'll tell you, that, that was something that went a long way. That I, I, One weekend, my wife and I were babysitting for a friend of ours. He had an 11-year-old kid, and he had never seen Star Trek before. And I thought, well, we'll kill some time doing this. So we sat down, and I put in Arena. And... I mean, that was his first – the first thing he said was, this – how old is this? You know, and it was like, OK, just just watch. And then, you know, as the story kind of progressed, I, I remember he turned to me and he said, they sure talk a lot. And, you know, it, it was just indicative of this the, the, you know, this frenetic kind of environment that they're in – that kids are in today yeah, yeah, and yeah. The younger people are in today that, you know, everything's fast and, yeah. and you know – And that boy was J.J. J. Abrams. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you either love those first 10 minutes of Revenge of the Sith, where you, there's no, you have no idea what's going on because everything's happening so fast and there's so many ships, or you think it's the worst thing ever. You know, we right. fall to the canvas like, yeah, that's the worst exactly. thing ever. Exactly. But, you know, for certain people who grew up on video games, you know, like, this is fantastic. This yeah. is what a Star that, Wars should be. Yeah, right. It's like, you know. You're that's what they the, want. That's yep. what feeds their, their thing. And But what was really gratifying about it is that at the end, he was sitting on the edge of our sofa yeah. – Looking at the TV, and he was going, "Get him, get him, get I mean, him!" He was, right. he was just yeah. really into yeah. it. And Don't it was, you see it's gunpowder? It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was, but it was so gratifying yeah. to see him kind of come around to yeah. being drawn into it, and 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 that. So you're suggesting restraints are in order. <laughs> 
Right. <laughs> it, why are they putting yeah. the such a good point? Because if, if, if kids are just exposed to this material, the good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Chances are they'll appreciate it because you know what? Because it's good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Exactly. I have it, a ten-year-old uh, who I am gradually bringing along into uh, into becoming a, a geek. So, uh, of the of the remastered episodes, what would you say are the essentials? Like the ones that you guys you good feel question. like you just nailed it, yeah, yeah. and like what's the you know, one you wish of. you could call back? Well, you know there are a lot of shots that I really loved. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I could say, you know, this episode was a standout right. episode. I'll say Amok Time is a my, time my is favorite. Yeah, yeah. 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 Amok great. Amok Time is really uh, stands up there. I love the uh, I love the Doomsday Machine stuff that they did and um, you know, one of the I love one of the shots at the very beginning where we first think before they even beam over they're showing the constellation. It's all mm-hmm. destroyed and everything. And I remember saying to Mike and Denise, the, the ship is destroyed. Obviously, it's been beat up. I said, but I really want to see it. I really want people to feel bad for it. Mm-hmm. Not just that it's destroyed. I want to see it get kind of kicked when it's yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. So I, I know exactly what you're talking about. So the I, shot with the, yeah, with the so there's a little piece of piece planetary of debris that just kind of floats in and shatters on the hull and just kind of yeah. bounces Bing. off. And I was like, let's have the universe just kind of kick it while it's down. It just because <laughs> it, it made me feel so sad, you know, to see this majestic ship. Just, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. so th- things like that, I, I, okay. uh, I really enjoyed. But uh, I, I think you just got to kind of go through them and and find your favorite episodes and and because that I find that feeds. The way you'll yeah, perceive pick, what's pick the best ep- episodes of the show. Okay. Yeah. yeah, like Mirror Mirror. I think yeah. uh, we did a good job, and we did some fun little mm-hmm. things that had you know, like we enhanced the the agony booth and yeah. um, you know things like that. And um, in fact, I think the uh, I think in the show we did the to, you know to do the transition of the Enterprise mm-hmm. going to the Mirror Enterprise. Um, I think it's the only time in the show the ship travels correct right the other left. way right to left. There's uh, there's one more episode I can't remember, but yeah, yeah. and sure they use, and they use the old. I'm pretty sure the old uh, shots that were yeah. shot for the main titles. Oh yeah, and it's flopped. Yeah, because they had they had they flopped the ship. But they knew that they would have to, so they had reverse decals on the side <laughs> when they shot it. Right. And it's just, you know, one of those things because th- that side was never finished right. on yeah. the miniature. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, you guys did it great, and you, and you made, the, uh, made the Mirror Universe Enterprise slightly different. Yeah, a little which bit. Which is cool. Yeah, we added little, some different little markings bits and, and bobs to it and, yeah, to kind of change it. That was one of the things that CBS Digital wanted to do was as we progressed through the show – they wanted to include elements from the motion picture enterprise to slowly show, right? They wanted to add a, you know, the photon torpedo launcher and, you know, in the second season. Then the third season, they wanted to include the dish. And we were like, no, no, no. That's, no, no, no. <laughs> that's you know, the you know. slippery slope. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. And, and again, you know, that enterprise is my enterprise, yeah. right? It's my favorite. Right. So. When you it's like walk half the five-year the... mission would have been spent in dry dock. Yeah, well, right. Well, thank <laughs> God that you, you know, you guys there. That's when you got to walk into the sweatshop the line and say no. And, yeah. prote- you know, and, and, and protect <laughs> these bad decisions because, you know, there are other shows maybe that, where there aren't people who respect Star Trek the uh, way you yeah. guys do or science fiction and aren't there to protect these franchises because they don't care and they don't understand the history. You and Mike and Denise 
you know, understand the importance of Star Trek, how it made you feel as as kids. And so you were, you know, on the front lines protecting it. And, you know, sometimes maybe you didn't have the money or, you know, to, to, to but, you, you know, you held the line. And that's why, you know, this stuff still holds up, you know, yeah. 20 years later. And it was good having three of us because then there's always a vote breaker, right? right. When you get into a problem where you, you know. For the vote. Yeah, Yeah. like, you know, I mean, something as simple like this. I think this conversation took about a week and it was at the beginning of the original series in the credits. The Enterprise comes and does this hard turn Mm -hmm. and we all called it the bump. That's what everyone was calling it, the bump. Do we keep the bump or do we get rid of the bump? We talked about this. I mean, we <laughs> agonized over it. Like, ultimately, we said no. The the point of this is to smooth it out. That was obviously a problem with, you yeah. know, how they were doing the, the movement the, of the model. The movement and of the... the model, and so we we you know we corrected. But it was agonizing. You know, mm-hmm. it was a uh, uh, another one was uh, James R. Kirk. Yeah. Do you fix that? Right? Do we fix it? Would be very easy. And uh, unfortunately. The amount of times that you go to it yeah, prevented right. us from doing it yeah. on the schedule because shots. of all the rotor yeah, there right. they, they, they could have done it. But Denise was very for uh, keeping it, keeping it James R. Kirk, mm. and I was very for changing it to James T. Kirk. Right. And we we were in my house, and we we were arguing back and forth, and Mike was sitting between us, and you know it was and married to Denise, and so. married to Denise, right? Yeah. So it was funny because you know I'm going, you know. It's his best friend. How would he not know his middle initial is T? It's his best friend. <laughs> See, <laughs> that's the madness. That's the madness. That's what, that was Denise's <laughs> right? But he's mad. He's crazy. Enough. Hey, nobody's crazy enough to forget the middle name. And so we had this, you know, we're going over Mike talking. Mike's just sitting there quiet, quiet, <laughs> quiet, quiet. And so Denise said, okay, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back and we'll decide. And she goes to the bathroom and I turned to Mike and I went, you know I'm right. You know I'm right. You're just not doing it because you're married to her. You're married to her and you're not doing <laughs> that's hysterical and that's where we put cbs digital out of business you're right exactly yeah, yeah. over the middle initial no um yeah. and they did like i got again i cannot say enough how above and beyond what this contract was that they did for us because look the 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 work we would have got from gary hutzel would have been amazing but it would have been, limited. Would have been limited yeah, yeah, yeah. and so to to do the things we were able to do really it's ironic because, you know, with Galactica, you know, they started Zoic, but one of the frustrations why they ended up building their own effects company with Gary was so that they could do more effects because <laughs> it was too expensive. Right. You know, they were paying by the shot. Sure. That's how you do yeah. it. But when you do it in-house, you have a lot more flexibility to add shots exactly. and do more stuff and say, oh, we could use this. Yeah, because you've got that. a pool of people working. Yeah. It's not just based on the shots. And shot that was where Gary Hustle comes from. So now it's like, yeah, okay, you know, you get this, this, and this, and that's it. Yep. You know, yep. And, and there was no more money, so you weren't going to get any more. So it's an interesting trade-off. You know, I will say one of the things that I'm indebted to, you know, for this uh, re-release in 2006, in a sense, was it probably been, I don't know how many years since I watched all the episodes. You know, a lot of them I was doing from memory from his kid watching on Channel 11, you know, because once they came out on DVD, you kind of just go to the episodes you that like. you like, yeah. You know, or, you know, very rarely you go to something that's like, you know, and the children shall lead. Why am I going to watch that? Yeah. Right. And by then it's at the end, like, because at the beginning when Mantrap first comes out, you watch them because they just came out on DVD for the first time or on Blu-ray. But by the time you get the third season, it's like, whatever, this goes on the shelf. Maybe I opened the package. Maybe I didn't. Right. So, but when they came out in 2006, it was the first time to see Star Trek 
in an entirely new way. Yeah. That I, you know, st- shots that I had never seen. It was the way I felt like when Ronberry Vault came out, which is extraordinary. Right. Um, so it was like I watched all the episodes and it was great because it was like midnight here on Channel 13. Yeah. And I would, on Sunday nights, you know, I'd pull, get, sit down on the sofa and have my big screen TV. And it was also, you know, and, and I, and I watched the episodes every Saturday, Sunday night. And it was like, Watch it on Channel 11 as a kid again because I, yeah. you know, with and commercials. You, and you didn't know what was coming. You didn't know, right? Right? I mean, if, as the shots were, as the show was going, you didn't know how we were going right, to totally show the Enterprise doing this or yeah. doing that or doing whatever. And yeah. so, yeah, it was really fun to watch again. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And, you know, I got to tell you, the internet was just, I mean, never do a project and go on the internet. Oh, God. Ain't oh, yeah. that the truth? Oh, my God. I mean, the amount of people who commented on the nacelles, <laughs> the tips of the nacelles, it was like you'd blow your brains out. I mean, it was, the, the people at CBS Digital were, you know, they were so depressed. They were like, oh, we went on and they, you know, people are just saying how awful it is. I mean, we were like, no, no, don't stop. Stop going online reading this. You got to just do what you got to do. A, these people are never going to understand how much time and how much money you had to do it. Yeah. You know, the reality of it. Full you know, disclosure. Because- you I might one have been one of them oh, occasionally. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, look, I'm just as guilty because honestly, you know, at the time I think Trek Movie had had me review a couple episodes right. of them. And, 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 you know, I had things I loved and a lot of quibbles and things I sure. didn't like. And, and, you know, but it's, it's absolutely true. It's like, you know, walk a mile in my shoes and it's like, you know, what you guys pulled off in retrospect, knowing what that project should have cost and the, the, you know, the time. Oh, yeah, look, if we would have, you know, had a year lead up time to prep everything and develop assets and to but you know like uh we're going to see the um you know Harry Mud ship or we're going to see right. you know what I mean Neil was just he was sketching that stuff on paper as we were talking about it and that would you know he'd build it and sketch up and then we'd look at it and kind of turn around and make some notes and you know I mean it was it was so fast the way we were working and it's that no one wants to work that well, way. Well there's also the fear that it was going to supplant the original. And when you right. look at the original effects and how groundbreaking and they were and 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 you know for the time they were extraordinary. And I think a lot of them really hold up great now. Yeah. Um you know, they, there was that fear that it was the Lucasification of Star Trek. Right. So that played into it as well. Um, but, you know, I will say for every, you know, judgment that may have been off where we're too tight on the Enterprise or something, there's a great choice like putting the, the ore ship in from the animated series right. mm-hmm. in Ultimate Computer. I mean, you know, as opposed to reusing the Botany Bay model, which right. made no sense, which even as a kid, you're like, well, that's the Botany Bay. I mean, why would right, that be? Exactly. It's not like yeah. they would Botany suddenly be Bay. using that as an ore ship, you know? Right. And and so, uh, you know, or even Klingon or Romulan ships, which we couldn't, you know, it's just, there's so much in there that, you know, it's because it's people who are passionate about the show, who get the show, you know, these Easter eggs, as they call right. fan services, is now a dirty right. word. Um, but it, <laughs> It's just wonderful. No, but it is. And, and it was, you know, in an episode, you know, like uh, the Enterprise incident where, you know, oh, they've, they're using Klingon right. designs now. <laughs> yeah. You know, it always used to bug the hell out of me. Yeah. So, using Klingon miniatures. Because... <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't find that other Romulan one. Uh, so it was great to, for us to be able to put a bird of prey in there because yeah. then it kind of at least ties it back. It's not totally. just, you know, all these goofy models. And, dun, 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 uh, dun. and there were, you know, uh, there's a great – you can look at it online. There's a great moment where um, there was a lot of pressure on the Doomsday Machine. The, guy, the guys were under a lot of pressure. And uh, they played a joke on Neil Ray that's online that you can see where they told him that they delivered the show 
and made the name of the ship the Consolation. Instead of the Constellation. And so there's a scene where Craig is showing him, hey, what what happened here? Because I got David LaFontaine on the phone and he is pissed. And Neil sits down and looks at it and you just see it. I mean, it's a great, it's a, a great so horrible, funny. horrible, but great moment. It's not moment. funny when you're in the thick of it and you haven't slept yes. in weeks oh, and yeah. you get an hour, you know, a nap because you're trying on a deadline. Oh, yeah. And then it's not so funny. Yeah. Um, as you can probably attest to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you got jokes. Okay. I, I have to yeah. say, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, we always talk about the, the uh, Trouble Tribbles being, you know, sort of a gateway drug for kids. You know, I know your son's 10. My son's 10. His favorite is the Menagerie. He okay. loves the Menagerie. You know, he just something about, I don't know what I don't know what it is about the menagerie that he loves so much. You know much. what it is? It's the magic of mixing the earlier crew and the, <laughs> and the later crew. It's it's really nice to see them uh, sort of both at the same time in the same episode. You know, we always say you know, Trouble Tribbles, but I'm not sure Trouble Tribbles is the right gateway right. drug because it's not really a typical Star Trek episode. And you and get it's funnier if you know the characters, and you get yeah. the the joy out of it. It's funnier if you know the characters, seeing them so out of character. You know, and and the, the comedic thing. So it's uh, see, my thought had been like. Balance of Terror, or Doomsday Machine. Mm-hmm. But, but I did show him sitting on the Trevor because he's a huge World War, World War II fan. Yeah, so it's like oh, you know, it's like he could he could understood the whole thing. You know, could we kill? He really he really liked that a lot too, which was which was My good. My kids love the Deadly Years. Really? They say, that's what Daddy's going to look like. You said, I only hope. At least I can take that old age makeup off. Yeah. I... My son especially, that, that moment where Kirk walks out of the turbo lift at the right. end and takes yeah. over, he just yeah. loves that moment. It's so great. It is. It's awesome. You know yeah. what? That's how, we, that's how we feel a man should be, right? Right. You know, and this, this, this emasculated man, it's, a, it's just... That is like he comes out of that. He strides on. He is, you know, just totally in command, yeah. and the testosterone is just dripping off of him. You know? <laughs> it's like he is, you know. I mean, it's you know, he's been completely emasculated. You know, he's been removed from command, and then he comes back and takes over. Yeah. And he's smart, and he's on top of things, and it's just like code, code too. I mean, that's if right. Your command a, lasts for longer than four hours. We we talked <laughs> about. You know, on on our our, our <laughs> great, on, on 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 great moments in Star Trek. Uh, you know, our two part thing we did over the holidays. Deadly Years, not a great episode, right? Right. But that's a great scene. That is a great moment. It's yeah. a great great scene. Um, he was scared to death. <laughs> so let me ask you, you know, because people are going to ask, you know, or they're going to ask on social, and it's only the, the inevitable question. Let's let's head it off of the pass. Tell us why this is not going to happen on Deep Space Nine and Voyager, the, the last two shows that have not made the leap to high def, and why that is so complicated, and why it's unlikely, never say never, but why it's unlikely that such a project would happen again. Well, I mean, look, guys, this, uh, this always boils down to this simple equation of is the juice worth the squeeze? And so, uh, you know... These these efforts these are a hundred you know it's hundreds of episodes for a show and what look what they just went through on Next Generation it's amazing it looks great but it didn't sell very didn't well sell. didn't pay off for them no. so to now go back to them and say so now we'd like you to do it to to do it on a show that's even less popular in right. the zeitgeist yeah. you know it's like I you know and then Voyager I mean it just goes yeah. down from there I I don't know how they would uh, I, I think why they, they made a mistake. You know, obviously it's not a mistake from a creative point of view, but not going 185 with Next Generation mm-hmm. because 
people are not going to buy it in one three three, no matter how good it looks. Yeah, because no one has looks at it there. You know, like we'll watch it in that right. way. Right, like sure. I have that Galactica Blu-ray set of the original Galactica, where they have both versions. They have the original one three three, and they have a crop for one eight five. I watch it one three three because I have no problem with the pillar bars. Yeah. Also, I think the cropping is awful. Um, you know, and and uh, but I think for next generation. I, I think it's the only way that that, or I think the only other way it happens is if CBS pulls it from all the SVOD and AVOD platforms and makes it a CBS All Access exclusive, and then they need it's sort of like what happened with you guys. They need something that makes it new and fresh, right? Um, and and then it's funded internally, you know, because they can justify it by saying this is exclusive content on our proprietary right. platform. Yeah. But as long as it's available, you know, everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. I, I don't see that ever happening. Yeah, I agree. Because, you know, it's not like home video is going to come and save the day. Right. Yeah, nobody wants to put money into these things. Yeah, right. You know, everybody wants the upside, but they, they, they don't want any of the risk. So uh, that's all, just the world we live in All they can now. do is bitch about how much money the studios are making. Right. You know. <laughs> right. But, uh, so you, you know. want to do it for 4K? Yeah, sure. Oh, that was the next question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so so, so here. So let's talk. You, you, you finish these in 1080, I presume? Yes. So there's no 4 It's the same... Yeah, for the stuff that happened almost. with motion picture, except you guys didn't even do it. We, we got screwed even more. Yeah, because you, you, <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, you would have to go back and redo. Do the assets exist? But CBS Digital doesn't exist anymore, right? No, no, sure, they're, they're there. They're yeah. there. They do. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, yeah. All those assets are available. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you, it could be done. So, what would it entail to uh, to to uh, bump it up to to fork it? You'd have to re-render. Would you have to re re? Because yeah, unlike I, Star Trek, the that's a much more complicated. That's a much more yeah. complicated thing. But I, I, I posit a different idea. Darren's available. Well, that, <laughs> that too. The Smithsonian display of the original Enterprise model mm-hmm. is not happening for another five years while they redo the uh, exhibit hall. So it's it's in storage. You can shoot a live action plate. You can shoot all the motion. Wow. I'm just saying. That'd be really cool. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, because I saw, I think you took that footage from the Roddenberry vault of all yeah, those. and recomposited it. And recomposited it. And it looked amazing. Yeah. It looked amazing. Yeah. I'm just saying. You, you don't <laughs> have to put me- metallic shit on the, sh- on the ship. Yeah. It looked it's, amazing. It's it. And that's not a slide of you. That's a no. slide of some other show that no, did No, no, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I, I'd love to see this keep going but it's yeah. you know people in it's, bigger chairs than me well, and it's uh, you know it's a big check yeah. yeah it's a big check to write although i mean the reality is you know the, the funny thing it's cheaper for them now to put it on 4k with the original effects right. than it would be for them to do what we do. redo all your effects yeah which will be it'd be interesting because i can't imagine that they're not going to want to but it do would a 4K be 4k you know, release like ultimately it would be the same thing because you would have not much of a budget you would have right. a horrific schedule to hit. Of course. And yeah. so, it, you know, the work always kind of suffers. I mean, we, we did what we could, but uh, even, you know, look, we're immensely proud of it. Uh, I'm tr- not trying to throw shade on anything, but uh, certainly there are shots that if we would have had time to work on and massage and, you know, it just would have been a, it, it could have been elevated to an even Anybody higher. who works in this business who looks at their work and says, everything was great, 
Either, they, either yeah, they're lying, totally lying. or yeah. you know they should, or they're or they suck, yeah, or, yeah. or they actually don't work in the business because yeah, right. you, no one can look at their stuff and say, you know, oh, we didn't, you know, even with more time or more money, it couldn't have been better. Got it in one. Right, yeah, got it in one. Yeah. <laughs> Let's face it, you know. So the fact that you could look back and be proud of what you did, and there's a whole new generation that watches the original Star Trek. It's on, you know, all these things. Um, you, yeah, there's some remarkable it. episodes that you guys did i mean you can be very proud of the work you did and you protected it you guys protected it from interlopers that could have ruined the show forever had had they not been protecting what star trek is you know if we if it had suddenly become you know for all intents and purposes star trek 2009 with the enterprise you know yeah, doing yeah. all this Where stuff yeah yeah add fighter planes and you know all kinds of fighter ships you know, the enterprise doesn't move like an x-wing you know it's, right, exactly and that's what that was one well, of you know in space concerns, there's you know? no air and that's shut up yeah that's the way whatever it was in the show that's the science <laughs> yeah yeah right and that was you know things like that are hard to to you know we had a, a again on such a short schedule and you're, and you're trying to to think in your head You've got this ship holding 430 people. What does that look like when it gets hit? Mm-hmm. Right? Does it, it can't shake right. that fast. It can't, you know, everybody be dead inside, right? You know, <laughs> not with the inertial dampers. See, the reality is either they got to give you more money or they got to give you more time. Yeah. They right. can't give you no time and no money again. Exactly. But they can and they do. Yeah, yeah but they can and they <laughs> because do. Because the so, thing yeah. is, you know, there's so many people out there. Who would answer the call given time? You know, we just had Bill George on our show. Wonderful, you know, uh, Darren. I mean, obviously, a ton of people like them. Who I think, you know, to be part of this history and to to to, you know, this is this is it. We're at the end of the. Because yeah. let's face it. I mean, the original, um, unfortunately, is become, you know falling down the line sure. of shows. And now, for a lot of people, next generation is their jam. You see it with younger audiences where the subsequent shows. I mean, we've talked about this before. What's the most popular Star Trek show on Netflix? Is Voyager. So it's easy for us to dismiss it. And we all, you know, the, so we worked easy. on it. I mean, so. We, but uh, but um, the reality is, you know, it's like as a younger audience finds these shows, it's not necessarily the original that they're embracing. Right. Yeah. And you've you know, got to lead people to it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is uh, you know, and look, as far as like projects go, I mean. Look, I got to, I got to play with the Enterprise in a way that you know. I mean, it was it's the excuse me. I, regardless, we're, we're, of this the, is not uh, this is not an explicit show. show. It's family, <laughs> family show here. Show me where you touched the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to say though, I mean, I, I can remember because I remember when they brought out the miniatures. Um, at Foundation for Darren Star Trek the Motion Picture, um, uh, you know, director's edition. It was to. to you know, to hold it in your hand. To touch oh, yeah. the cream. To touch yeah. it, was, it was remarkable. It yeah. was so, I remember everybody said, you should really come down here. I said, what, is Spock dead? And he goes, <laughs> he goes, he goes no, we have him. I'm like, what do you have? Because the, the original miniatures, I mean, you know, and it was for the movies and it was, extra, even the worker bee, the stupid worker bee, it was yeah. like so cool. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I'm so grateful for about working this industry. It's like, <laughs> you get a call from a friend who's like, come down here. It's like, we got the Enterprise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I I stumbled into this business yeah. in a weird set of circumstances that I had no – my inclination was not to, to work in this industry. And so to look back at the journey I've taken is just – I mean, uh, I know. I mean, you really talk. You look. If you want to hear more about David's journey, 
go listen to the original episode from last season where Dave was here. He talks about his incredible experience, you know, coming on board uh, Next Generation Voyager Enterprise, that, you know, being there, you know, through that amazing period of Star Trek history. Um, and it's a great episode. Uh, you and know, being a fan. And right. being a fan. I mean, right. it's like, you know, uh, yeah, this and, – and look, I got to sit in Captain Picard's chair and I got to tour the engine room. And I got, But none of that compares – to working on the original series remastered yeah. just yeah. because it was you know, it's uh, when they say labor of love and passion project i mean that yeah it's that in the dictionary <laughs> it's yeah. the picture well dave this was so great i mean I, you know where we went over on our uh time I, I i didn't know if we would even be able to fill in a whole episode <laughs> and here we are and i could ask you a ton more questions but you know uh, and so people are asking people are asking people ask you know why why are you always so concerned about time and it's like because, you know, these air on the electric surge uh, video podcast and those can only be with commercials are only like 50 minutes. So it's like we don't like to go over because we have to cut too much out. Right. Uh, you can still listen to the audio podcast. But for people who are watching it, the video versions, we lose too much if we, if we go too long. So that, that answers that question. And that statement alone will be cut out from yeah. the <laughs> when it is out. So anyway, well, look, Dave, thank you for joining us again. Thanks, for guys. Experts. If you're a fan of the podcast, you may want to check out Electric Surge's other podcasts like the 430 movie every Friday, Revel in the Rogue, a Star Wars podcast every Tuesday coming soon. Uh, the um, Two on Who, the new Doctor Who podcast. And of course, Best Movies Never Made every other Monday. You can also watch our video podcast of all your favorite Electric Surge podcasts on Electric Now. Uh, download the Stir, Distro TV, or Zumo apps, and soon the Electric Now app. Uh, also, if you enjoyed this podcast, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Um, you know, and uh, look, if you want to see uh, the visual effects in 4K, uh, who, 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 should they, uh, who should they harass? Yeah. Everybody. So everybody. Everybody. CBS. Everybody. I mean, I think Viacom CBS. Viacom is now, CBS. Is now so a one thing, big so. happy fleet. Happy fleet. We are a big happy fleet now. Um, and uh, finally, very special thanks to Bill Ritter and everyone here at Electric Surge Network, including producer Natalie Miscali, who suffers through our talk about Trek every week. And uh, we're grateful to her for that. And, of course, Dean Devlin, without whom the show would not be possible. So until next week, keep on trekking. Ingloriously, of course. Engage. This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.